think people functions across organizations have a really important part of shaping, which is let's let's keep the good, get rid of the bad and embrace the new. Um, so I think that's uh, that's a real challenge and, and it's going to go on for a few years, I think, before we really get to get to that. Hello, welcome to the Chief Disruptor podcast. My name is Gabriel O'Brien, the Senior Research and Engagement Executive at Chief Disruptor. This series of podcasts highlights and explores the disruptive strategies, mindsets and technologies taking place across blue chip organisations, startups, scale ups and the public sector. I'm joined by disruptors, innovators and change makers from across our newly rebranded Chief Disruptor community. If you're interested in joining the community, visit chiefdisruptor.com. This week, we shift our disruptive gaze towards the future of work with our guest Josh Reynolds, Future Workplace Adoption Lead at Lloyds Banking Group. Josh joined the People Function team at Lloyds Banking Group at a key point during the pandemic and has been heavily involved in defining their hybrid hub and home working strategy and more recently, helping get their hybrid office spaces vibing once again. Josh and I covered loads of ground from the relationship between disruption, innovation and people workplace tools and technologies, the role of the office, and predictions for the workplace of the future. All in all, a super insightful and thought-provoking conversation. If you enjoy this podcast, please follow us on Spotify or wherever you listen for notifications of new episodes. Additionally, if you really enjoy it, please share it with your colleagues. I'm sure they would love to listen. Without further ado, let's crack on with the conversation with Josh. All right, so Josh, uh, thanks so much for joining the Chief Disruptor podcast. How are you? Doing very, very well, thank you. A little hot, uh, but uh, yeah, trying to stay cool, but doing very well. Yeah, we're, we're, we're fighting through it here. Um, well, th- thanks so much for joining. Um, I guess sort of in true Chief Disruptor fashion, I'd like to kick off with, we're talking about disruption itself, and obviously in your role, um, you, you work in people. Um, how, how do those two things relate? How does disruption and people um, relate? Um, I think I think the very nature of people actually promotes disruption um, as a as a function as a people function because um, I, I mean I mean I, I I sort of an example I'd use is looking right back as when we were all in the playground when we were at school um, you you list off the number of different trends and fads that we all got into and the way that we changed our minds you know one day it's 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 Pokemon the next day it's you know spinning tops or whatever it might be in the playground it changes very very quickly and I don't think we've drastically changed as we all get older we continue to constantly change our preferences and we see that in the markets you know the businesses that don't exist today um, are because consumers change their mind people change their mind Um, and the wonderful thing about being part of the people function in an organization especially one I mean, myself, I work within Lloyd's Banking Group. We've got about 65,000 colleagues. That's, that's 65,000 different sets of preferences, thoughts, opinions, viewpoints. Um, and so by the very nature of that is that when you think you've cracked it, when you think, OK, we've got a wonderful colleague proposition, we've got, we've got a wonderful policy or um, kind of approach to how we, we work as, as a people function and, and as, a, as a, um, a set of colleagues in, in the bank, actually people then change their minds and things change and there's something new that comes up um, technology is, is drastically um, driving a lot of it at the moment as well in, in the people space because we've all had to work from home um, and so I think 
I think just the, the very nature that we're working with people, we're working with very changeable um, elements of the business, uh, probably more so than often, you know, the markets and the products, although there, there's a lot of change and disruption happening there. I'm, I'm finding myself people change far more frequently and sometimes far more drastically. Um, and so by the very nature of that, we are trying to keep pace with what people want, as well as also trying to get ahead of the game and understand, well, what's coming up in the future? What are people going to need? Um, and, uh, and, and I guess also you, you, you are tasked with setting an example. So myself within a people function, if I want all the colleagues in Lloyd's Banking Group to be being innovative and disruptive and changing things and thinking differently and outside the box, yeah. I've got to be doing that myself. We've got to be doing that as a function. We've got to be leading the way. And that's in everything that we do. That's in the way that we speak, the way that we act. Um, it, you know, if, even the way that we, we come across when we're talking to people, that's really, really important. Um, and so, yeah, I think, I think you, 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 can't, you can't have an innovative business without an innovative um, people function because it's, yeah. it, that's what drives it. Yeah, so so maybe when we talk about people function, we're not talking about being disruptive. We're talking about being innovative. Is there a distinction there? Oh, I think I, I've thought about this myself and I, I'm almost on a journey myself is when am I being innovative? When am I being disruptive? Um, I, I think that they are one in the same. Me personally, I find that they're, they're very, very similar. Um, I, I would say disruption is more about um perhaps changing something fundamental innovative is being creative and, and thinking outside the box thinking um you know what we could do differently however i think for some of those real core principles so for example in in a people in people when we're thinking of people you think of some of those policies that have been around for years and i think about yeah. some of the um some some of those ideas of okay you're paid for 35 hours in the week now yeah. I would say innovative is maybe thinking, well, you know, how could we, how could we improve on that? How can we, how can we, um, you know, make that a bit more flexible for people? They can split those hours across the week. Whereas you might say disruption is when you come along and think, why do we even care how many hours people work in a week? And actually, yeah. if they're creating the output we need, it doesn't matter. And so let's just rip up that whole idea of 35 hours a week. And by the way, I'm not saying at Lloyd's Banking Group we are there yet <laughs> uh, with some of this, but. Absolutely. I feel that that's the, the differentiation between disruption and innovation. Innovation is, is wonderfully creative and, and um, coming up with those new ideas. Disruption is almost changing something fundamental about the business. And that's often quite painful, hence the name disruption, um, because it's not always enjoyable to go through. But the idea at the end of it is that actually you've, you've almost fixed the core root problem um, or issue that you're looking to tackle yeah no no rewriting the playbook i guess it is isn't it the, the disruption exactly. um i i think probably when i when i started thinking about people and disruption there was two parts of it that i actually thought about um one is the digital disruption that has meant the change the way we work has fundamentally changed i don't know you know the tools that we've we've had we've now got we've now got so many tools and people using different tools i guess that's one one way disruptions affected people 100 percent um, it, I mean, we're in a very different world now, aren't we, where, where technology is, is more important to people because we had to fully rely on it for, for nearly two years. We didn't have any option. Um, and uh, what, what, I'm, what I'm seeing is the, the providers. The, so, for example, I mean, we, we work with Microsoft. We're on Microsoft yeah. Teams. We've seen that they've had to do a lot of catching up, but they are catching up now. Um, and we think about all the ways that we're changing how we interact with with people i mean we're doing this podcast virtually right now where almost the 
the scope of what can be done virtually with technology is far greater than I think we, we imagined perhaps yeah. two or three years ago. And so certainly that is driving a lot of questions around, well, why do we do certain things? And when you pose the question of, I mean, a big question in people is culture. How do we, you know, what does culture look like now? It's perhaps a little bit different. It was a bit more obvious before because you'd go into the office and you had branded notebooks and you had signs everywhere saying what our values were. What yeah. does that look like now? Um, and technology is, is going some of the way there um, and, and also speeding up some of the processes that maybe took a little time, you know, a little while previously um, and demanded people traveling, et cetera. So, um, yeah, cer certainly seeing disruption um, from that side of things and, and, and in this people space, we are seeing these providers catching up a little bit yeah. um, and some of the offerings becoming better because we are encountering there are issues uh, as, as we, we all find, um, you know, even just doing a podcast or whatever it might be. There are these technical technological issues. But actually, if we can tackle some of them, there's, there's a whole scope of things that we could tap into. And, you know, we could talk about the metaverse and, and things like that, that I think we don't fully understand even yet. And I think that's where a lot of questions are coming from are things that we're being given, which we're told are wonderful, wonderful mm -hmm. techno technological advancements. But actually, how do we use them in the business? How do we use them to drive the right behaviors? And uh, and, and so, yeah, I think just just asking questions, the technology is asking questions of of like myself working in a people function of, of how do we best use this because if you just have the tech on its own it's yeah. pointless it doesn't it doesn't yeah. make any difference so 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 is the metaverse on the on the horizon or or are you just trying to understand it because other people are talking about it like everyone else i think definitely trying to understand it um more around the practical applica applications yeah. i mean i think we've all seen the whizzy videos from um like meta and they talk about what this is going to look like and it's avatars um, and uh, and certainly, uh, I, I, from my personal opinion, I feel like it's still in a bit of that gimmicky phase where it feels like something that people just want to do because it's one of those fads that we might have come across in the playground all those years ago. And everyone's thinking, well, I've got to have an avatar. I've got to have a metaverse where we could all get together. But actually, how does that give us what we really want as a business in terms of culture, in terms of the right behaviours? Um, and I think we are absolutely at that stage of just watching and seeing how this develops and, and perhaps how others might use it um, in, in some of the practical scenarios and how we might use it. But certainly, I think what we are thinking about is, is how do we connect virtually in the future? And Metaverse is absolutely in that, in that discussion around does that have a part to play in, in connecting colleagues? Because we, we have colleagues across the country that work in teams, but they're quite disparate. So could there be a potential use there? Um, but certainly not something I think that we fully understand at this point. And, and I would argue I'm not, not entirely sure any, yeah. anyone fully understands how this is going to work yet. But uh, I guess that's the fun, the fun of it. Uh, I think you're 100% right there. Um, I guess that's a whole different playbook in itself. So let's not let, 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 <laughs> let's maybe move on. Um, I guess the other disruption, which is kind of under under uh underplayed or sat under all the discussion we just had is is the pandemic and that fundamentally changed the way we all work yeah absolutely and i, I think i think everyone will talk about this it's almost been a, a time of reflection isn't it for us as an individual yeah. but also for organizations to really it, we, we almost got stripped back to the bare bones of what it means to work for organizations um, and and by virtue of doing that we've seen the things that actually weren't weren't that positive about perhaps the ways that we were working previously or time that we were wasting 
um, and actually we focused on exactly what we needed to do, the priorities of, of, of our work and the priorities of why we work for a company and the priorities of our culture and what we need to keep alive, um, even if we're not together in person in our offices. And I think as a result of that, it has been, uh, what's the right word for it, almost a uh, refinement of our business yeah. models and our approach and uh, and it's been very positive but alongside that I think you've always got the risk of uh, I'm trying to think of the, the 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 right saying now but you throw the baby out with the bathwater where some of the really good stuff that we had before we need to try and hold on to and that's really difficult when you're going through a real period of change and disruption like we faced uh, with the with the pandemic because yeah sometimes immediately immediately people think well no we can be done with all of this now whereas actually we don't want to do that um, and i think a good example of that is that now as we're coming out of the pandemic is you know, how do we use the offices now because yeah there was a lot of negatives about having to go in every day and use the these big spaces often in hard to reach places we had to travel for a long time but actually, there's still a lot of really good use cases for getting together face to face. And the technology is wonderful. But actually, how do we how do we pair the two? How do we keep the good, get rid of the bad? Um, and that's that's a real balancing act, um, particularly as I think I think the argument around what is the future of work and what isn't is becoming more and more polarized, sort of like a lot of things, I think, in society at the moment. Um, and it feels like we're often on one side or the other, which is actually let's get everyone back to the office. Let's stop all these Zoom calls. Let's stop all the, these um, kind of uh, new practices that we might not like. Or you've got to be on the other side of actually let's get, get rid of all the old stuff. Um, and I think there's a middle ground there yeah. um, particular, that I think people functions across organizations have a really important part of shaping, which is let's, let's keep the good, get rid of the bad and embrace the new. Um, so I think that's uh, that's a real challenge, and, and it's going to go on for a few years, I think, before we really get to grips with that. I'm now going to uh, I'm now going to dive in and push you for a, for an answer, maybe on um, what would we what would the way we work look like if COVID never happened? I mean, I see on LinkedIn loads of people saying, "Oh, before COVID, we were already doing the four day week, or we were already doing hybrid work." But but how many people were actually doing that? Do you, do you think it would look very different to where we are now? So I, I think yes and no. I know that's not a straight answer, but I think, I think yes, it would, it would look very different. I think we would still be a much further behind than where we are at now. Um, I think that's the wonderful, oh, no, that's probably the wrong word entirely, but the, I guess the positive that can come out of a crisis is that, it is as far as disruption and innovation um, are concerned it's it's maximized in those situations where it's almost a needs must and as human beings we are wonderfully creative and wonderfully passionate and driven when we really have to do something um, and obviously a lot of businesses were, were in almost fight or flight mode because all of a sudden what do we do how do we keep our business going how do we keep our colleagues engaged um, and so I think I think although we were already heading in that direction, the pandemic has drastically sped up. Um, I mean, I wouldn't know an exact number or have any science behind it, but you're talking five or 10 years, it feels like we've jumped ahead um, in terms of the direction that we were going. Um, and I think a real key to that has been that senior leadership have uh, who, you know, with, with all due respect, are often the ones that have very ingrained ways of working, yeah. and rightly so, because they have made their career on the ways that they work. They, um, they, they have uh, many different reference points from previous experiences. 
And so sometimes it could be quite hard to shift some of that to something drastically different. However, what the pandemic did was it leveled the playing field for everyone in, in respect of, of particularly knowledge workers and, and organisations like Lloyds Banking Group, where even the CEOs weren't able to go into the office and were having to manage the same difficulties, challenges that we're all facing. And so as a result of that, they have understood the problem and been willing to pivot and change far faster than I believe would have happened, um, you know, had, had the pandemic not, ha- not, not occurred. So I do believe we would still have banks of desks in the office. We would still be looking at work from home as, as days off, um, in effect, that, that previously, you know, mentalities might have told people was the case. So, yeah. Yeah, I, I think we would still be working towards that. And yes, we might have been starting to explore four day weeks, but I don't feel one, we would have been as open or as um, driven to make those changes and it wouldn't have occurred as quickly. Yeah, yeah. It's those those famous three words that we're now thinking about. Uh, urgency drives innovation. So um, I think that, 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 that kind of sums that up. So I, I want to pick out um, a few things from uh, that that sort of, work styles that you identified um the first which which i know a a lot of people um are battling with at the moment is getting the getting the balance between flexibility and fairness um you know some people like you said work one day a week from the office some people their teams come in three days a week um how do you balance the flexibility and fairness yeah it's a it's a really tough question I think I think just to start with, I think something that I've had to really understand myself is is the fact that although we constantly strive for fairness, even in the uh, the world pre-pandemic, things were not always fair, and that doesn't make it right. But we need to understand that there are there are such great differences across particularly large organisations that we are never going to be able to create us uh, one solution that is going to solve every problem so that that certainly has, yeah. has been an approach that we've had to take that we will do the utmost that we can to offer what we can and um, but there are always going to be those nuances where we can't quite touch it for everyone so um i think just to start with that and in terms of our work styles almost our approach for context is that we've we've split our our colleague base of 60 odd thousand colleagues into um the buckets of hub hybrid or home um, and the idea behind that is if you're a hub worker, that means that for whatever reason you need to be in the office. And, um, you know, we're talking about our branch colleagues as well. You know, they have to be there to serve customers. Um, so there are hub colleagues. We've got hybrid colleagues, which the majority of, of people sort of fit into outside of, of those customer facing roles, yeah. which are those that will use the office as and when they need to. Um, and some of the time. And then we've got home and home is around those that were already home workers before the pandemic, before all of this kicked off. Um, they are also those that work in the field. So we have area directors that travel around. They always use their home as a base. Um, and so we, we've got these colleagues that never really had an office base anyway. Um, and we kind of broke that down into five different ones. And I won't talk through all of them, but basically within that hub hybrid and home, there's almost uh, a gradient in there of office, rotational activity, remote and field. Um, and the idea was, is again, we're just trying to understand what types of roles demand what types of approach in terms of what we allow for flexible working. Um, and I think what we've had to do is understand that beyond just the case of where you work. So, for example, those colleagues who work in branch, 
it's it, you know there's a, the, we cannot say to them you can work from home if we've got customers yeah. walking in and they need to be served what we can do is actually look at flexibility is more than just where you work it's when you work it's how you work um, and so there, there's question around well what can we do around shift patterns to make that more flexible what can we do to 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 give them a sense of flexibility um, that is real that is tangible that makes a difference in their life yeah. but at the same time allows the business to meet its needs and i think that's a that's a constant kind of three-way relationship that we have to manage which is what does the business need what does your team need and what does um what does the colleague themselves need um in terms of flexibility and constantly trying to find that sweet spot um whilst totally understanding that yes you know there are certain levels of flexibility we can't offer certain roles we can we can, we can look at other avenues that we can explore um and I think also we have to be clear on why certain roles, and we've done our best to do that, why certain roles can do can have a certain level of flexibility and others others can't. So be very clear on what those roles entail and, and speak very clearly to those colleagues around, we totally understand that this is maybe what you want, but we maybe need you to work in this way because of X, Y, and Z. Um, and, and also then offer, we will continually look at, uh, at improving your level of flexibility in your role um, but bear with us while we do that. So I think it's clear communication uh, with those colleagues. It's been understanding exactly how our business is made up in terms of the types of roles that we do. Yeah. Um, and it's also just accepting that that we will do the best that we can. But like I say, in a large organization, you're always going to have nuances and almost try and try and make allowances for, for them where you can. But uh, but yeah, there are going to be times where we just need to have that conversation that we're working through this together. The future of work is is not here yet. Um, and uh, and we'll we'll keep we'll keep experimenting. Yeah, yeah, great, great, and 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 linked to that flexibility, I guess, is is the office. Um, and you know, you 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 talked about sort of communicating. How 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 are you communicating the value of the office? I think something that we've had to understand is that you know we t we talk about oh we come to the office we collaborate um actually when people are coming to the office are they collaborating are they are they sitting around the desk all the time on a whiteboard and coming up with with new ideas not necessarily the the greatest purpose that we're seeing for the office at the moment is building social capital is connecting is meeting with people and being around people and it's those those side of desk conversations it's the um, just going out for lunch together and so what yeah. we are trying to help people understand is there is a purpose for the office beyond the traditional uh, work collaboration uh, beyond some of this old purpose that we may have see, seen the office um, having previously that actually things have changed and so have our offices or we're, we're working at changing them to adapt to the new ways of working but alongside of that we need to we need to see the office perhaps differently and we need to recognize that social capital is incredibly important we know that um, networks of shrunk over the pandemic um, not not necessarily saying people are less connected to the people they already know they're perhaps not meeting as many new people and so how do we do that how do we get people into into the office to, to just be around people and enjoy themselves and and find purpose that way and uh, and they will find then other reasons to connect in the office um, so that's certainly something that we are working really hard on and I, I guess yeah just to sum it up it's finding a purpose beyond collaboration in the office because uh, we've certainly found that that we can collaborate very well online um and that that isn't the sole why of the office it is about 
being with people face to face and building those relationships and that social capital. Yeah, no, super interesting. Um, one thing I'm interested in hearing about is is how are you making that idea, which is quite which is quite disruptive, um, amongst all organisations. How are you making that stick across your workforce? You know, you said you've got 70 hubs. I mean, that can't be cheap to upkeep and, um, you know, it's a big asset. Um, you've got almost 70,000 employees. Um, you've probably got some senior leaders um, at the sea level thinking, well, why are all my workers coming in just to just to connect rather than actually do any work? It's a very, very good question and certainly not one I think we've we've completely cracked at the moment um, because you obviously have business, different business areas led by different people and we all have our own kind of preconceptions and biases and, and thoughts and opinions on this. And, and I think I mentioned before, it's quite polarised at the moment um, in, in many cases around what people think is right and, and isn't. You know, we, we only yeah. have to look around at some of the other organisations and some take a, you know, um, uh, Elon Musk announcing that you, you either come into the office or you, you don't have a job. And, yeah. and likewise, you've got others like Airbnb that say, go work anywhere in the world. We don't care if you're on a beach, just do your job. So it's yeah. it's it's very hard to know how to shape that middle ground and keep it consistent. Sure. So um, you're absolutely right. It's a challenge. I think in terms of the, the leadership and helping them understand, I think what we need to understand is that senior leaders, one, they've come from a background of perhaps not working from home. Um, and then two, their days are very, very different to most workers. Most of yeah. us going into the office is that these execs spend all day with a managed diary going into meetings, back to back meetings. It's decision after decision after decision, talking yeah. with people, coming up with ideas. So, so I can totally understand that there will be leaders there that think I need everyone around me because that's my day. That's what I do. Um, yeah. And I think what we've, we've worked really hard at in Lloyd's is to help them understand um, we call we call it a day in the life. So it's a bit around. Let's understand what what your colleagues in your area actually do on a day to day basis. What that experience feels like. What they're thinking. What they're doing. Um, and by doing that, start to bring to life what actually yes, they they maybe don't need the same pattern as me. Um, and again, feeding into you know different roles need a different approach. Um, and that's that's very much the the tack that we we have taken. Yeah. Um, as well as that, we need to continually be providing data. Um, everyone loves data. Everyone loves numbers. And I think anyone making any um, disruptive activity in, a, in an organization needs to needs to back up to some extent what they're doing, um, whether that's external references. So we're constantly looking externally, benchmarking where we're at, feeding that back and saying, you know, actually, we're, we're doing quite well in, in some of these areas. But actually, in some of these these parts of our, our proposition for colleagues, we could certainly improve on and feeding that back. And also looking at all the latest academic research around the psychology behind how we how we use offices, how we work together, how we make change and, and making sure that leaders are, are on that journey with us. So, um, yeah, as I say, no, no simple answer to that. But I think <laughs> certainly making sure that we are feeding all the right information to them, presenting a very clear articulation of how people are working and how they were working pre pandemic, how they're working now. Um, yeah. And then making it clear that we need to focus on the why. We need to explain to people why we want certain things. Um, and I think if we can we can manage that, you start to get a a consistent-ish approach across such a large organisation where yeah. we are all working towards the same same thing. We all want to go in with a purpose. Um, yeah. And and whilst all of that might look slightly different in different areas, uh, at least colleagues know that we're we're all focused on. Let's understand what the purpose is. Yeah. 
No, no, that's, that's a really interesting insight. Um, so let let let's sort of bring it to a close with with two questions. I wanna I wanna first go to your current role. So you said you were talking, you were looking at the workplace of the future. Um, you know, within Lloyd's, but also more more generally, what 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 can we expect to see? We are certainly having to adapt our space. So um, you don't want banks of desks necessarily anymore everywhere where people will sit and, and plant themselves down um, all day. It's more a case of, well, what, what, what is the space that we can, we can create that so we call it hackable space where you can change the space dependent on what you need. And it's all around getting people together, being being sat around talking, even just social space. And, and we're, we're already throwing ideas around, you know, about what, what are the things that we need beyond just the work needs that colleagues will want um, and and that they will 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 relate to in terms of our office space so in terms of office design and space that that's drastically changing i don't think we're alone in that um i think a lot of people are looking at this um, and we're certainly doing that we're already working on a few sites to to change and adapt so firstly i think that's that's what we're looking at i think secondly as well we are we are really looking at in, in the future, how do we, so workplace is not just offices, workplace is the digital workplace, um, which is Teams, which is how we interface with that. And, and looking at, well, wh- how can we promote the right behaviors? So if, you know, somebody's been sitting uh, too long, can, can we do something to try and help them without invading on privacy? Because that's really difficult now. We can get streams and streams of data, but actually we're, we're being very, very careful around, we, we want to allow colleagues to, to maintain their privacy and we don't want to overstep the mark in terms of using a lot of that data in the digital space but what data can we use to really drive some of these positive behaviors and culture that we want um, and alongside that what are, the, what are the extra tools that we can use so we're setting up our offices with lots of hybrid working uh, kit teams rooms these things that really help people join virtually yeah. as well as physically yeah um, and uh, and alongside that I think it's also how we interact with the digital workplace so what can we do to build online communities that, that keep people connected? What can we do to um, reduce the amount of noise that people get? I mean, I don't know if you've experienced it, but when you come back from a holiday and you've got Teams messages, email messages, um, you've got your work, social media, we use Yammer, you know, you've got all of this noise going on. How can we help people, one, maintain their well-being, which is going to be absolutely crucial going forward, and two, how can we help them just be more efficient and effective and I think wrapped into all of that, we at Lloyd's Banking Group, in terms of the future workplace and what we see coming, we need to really look at what productivity actually means um, and understand that the productivity metrics of two, three years ago certainly aren't fit for the future. Because actually, when you go into the office, it's a whole different type of productivity. You're not going to ping out emails. You're not going to you know, sit down and, and, and pull up a load of slides or presentations but you yeah. will be talking to people. So how do we how do we measure that? Encourage that? Um, assure assure you know leadership that people are still productive. It's a different type of productivity. It's a productivity that's building relationships. And again, how do you measure the intangible at times? So um, that's what we've got all in the future, and certainly plenty to tackle. And we don't have all the answers. Hence why we we continually need to keep pushing these questions being disruptive, um, this work lab process, just testing things that nobody else was perhaps willing to test before. Yeah, no, no, fasc- fascinating. And, and um, you know, it's not something that we're going to, not something we're going to solve right now and something that we're going to be talking about again. So, so what, what, what a great conversation. Um, so let's now finish with a little bit of 
a little bit of a, a, our fun feature, which obviously uh, Dan from the first episode seems to seem to have uh, embedded within our podcast. So a little disruptive thought or invention um, that we had. So I think last week Dan had an idea around the all in the all in one front door service. So it comes with insurance, a camera, um, you know, a smart mailbox maybe. Um, I think I came up with the burger crumpet, which is probably um, not as inventive. I'm going to throw out mine this week. Um, the the sun cream wipe, um, sustainable sun cream wipe is going to be mine. Um, so I'm going to hand over to you, Josh, see, see if we've got one. It could be workplace related or, or maybe not. That's an excellent one. I uh, yeah, I love the sun cream. I have children myself, and the spray is uh, is is very dangerous. Um, many 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 things have been ruined as a, as a result of that. In terms of my um, disruptive thought, something that I've come across that I think um, could be revolutionary. That's a re- that's a really tough question because I have loads of ideas. You know those ideas that you get as you as you're walking around or you're making yeah. dinner and then they, they disappear and you think that was that could have been the that could have been the one. You need um, a notes list. You need a notes list. Absolutely right. I I think for me. I so recently I've been on trains a lot. Um, and it's been quite painful, I'll be honest, with the trains um, at the moment as, we're, as we've been travelling around. Um, lots of delays, lots of, you know, we've had the strike action, we've had the heat delays, we've had problems with the tracks. Um, I think what, what I would personally like um, is multi-level rails. And the reason I, I say that is because it still baffles me that you can have a problem 50 miles down the track that means that I can't get to a destination just 20 miles down because it's all on the same line. And so in my mind, I just, I would love the ability of hopping trains where they just skip over each other in whatever way. And I've got no solution here really, other than we have multiple <laughs> level rails that, re- that we'd end up with probably what them reaching into the sky, but whereby one train breaking down on a line doesn't bring the entire line to a, to a standstill um and and likewise uh, mm. you know you can get to your destinations much quicker so right now that's very topical for me i would absolutely love that um because uh, <laughs> i've been sat on trains for three hours and not moved yeah. um uh, again because of problem yeah. about 50 miles down the line yeah. so uh, yeah that's my well, thought well we're not asking for too much are we so <laughs> <laughs> well um let, let's bring this to a close then so thanks so much Josh, um, what a great conversation! Uh, I, I, uh, I think we'll be we'll be chatting more about it again. But um, thank you very much. Excellent, thank you. So that brings us to the conclusion of another episode of the Chief Disruptor Podcast. Thanks once again to Josh. I'm sure you'll agree it was great to hear from him and learn more about the complexities of our workplaces. The next episode of the Chief Disruptor podcast will see me navigate all things metaverse with Nick Rosa, the metaverse strategy and extended reality lead from Accenture. If you're interested in taking your first steps into the metaverse or want to know more about market perceptions and readiness, our recent executive summary, Making Sense of the Metaverse, is a fantastic starting point. Visit chiefdisruptor.com for more information. Thanks again for listening, and I look forward to having you along for the next one.